Welcome, everyone, to the first edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast here in 2022. And I am the same host from 2021. I am Tyler Crawley. Welcome to the podcast. We've got some good news to start the podcast. I saw that we ended the year ranked 136 in the business news category. In <laughs> I'm going to cheer that, okay? I'm going to take any ranking as a, I just, it's a very specific category. I understand that, but we're still ranked. We're ranked. We're in the top 150. I think at my peak, we were at, I think, maybe 89. I think I saw that on the chart. So we're, we're back ranked. We're back in the top 150 and hoping to stay there here in 2022. And, of course, climbing. I'd love to get in the top 100. And then, of course, sky's the limit. So I want to thank everyone that's tuning in. We've got new listeners. I know that. And I do want to let you know there will be a live component of this podcast very, very soon. But we're going to start with, I I thought today was going to be just me trying to find any material that we could talk about. But I actually found, and there was actually some good data released today. We had construction spending. I forgot all about it. You didn't see anything in yesterday's morning email. Construction spending for the month of November was out yesterday. And according to the Census Bureau, not bad, not a bad November. Total construction spending was up 0.4% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $1.6 billion. And year over year, even better, up 9.3%. Now, the only bad news is it was a slight miss. Economists had projected a slightly bigger jump of 0.6%, but that was not because of single-family housing Uh, spending, I should say, it was actually because of multifamily. And let's face it, right now, the big item in demand is single family. And that number was more than impressive, up 1.2% month over month and a whopping 19.4% year over year. Like I said, multifamily construction was down 0.3% month over month, but was still up year over year at 9%. And that's what you want to see. I mean, right now, because of the pandemic, and this we, we've seen a little a little change somewhat. Uh, but multifamily, no one wanted multifamily during the pandemic. We wanted to stay as far apart from each other as we could. Single family, of course, skyrocketed, and it's still relatively high. I mean, it's it's still very very elevated. Multifamily is coming back a little bit. That's why you're still seeing a positive number year over year. But the fact that we're seeing 1.2 percent increase in single family construction and almost 20% year over year. That's what you want to see. That's what we got to do to get those inventory levels to the place that we need them to meet the demand that is out there. Now, Goldman Sachs reacted to these numbers saying that construction spending increased by slightly less than expected, but October and September were revised up. Always a great thing. So they have left their quarter, uh, fourth quarter GDP tracking estimate unchanged at 7%. So they're still feeling good about the overall economy. And even though the number was a little lower than everyone was expecting, not so bad overall. But speaking of those inventory levels, I saw a great piece at Bloomberg by Connorsen during the uh, the lull, the period between Christmas and New Year's when there's nothing going on. Well, at least someone was working. Connorsen wrote a piece for Bloomberg, and it was fascinating because it was talking about a lot of the data that we have seen recently. And then, of course, some surprising data that we saw, and that was a shrinking population. So the data came out 
I think at the end of December, right in that little lull period that said that growth in the United States population had dropped to the lowest level ever since they've been tracking the data. And I think just any year in general, we have never seen the population grow at that slow of a rate. I mean, the good news was it was still positive, but barely, I think it was like 0.1%, something along those lines. And a lot of people probably are thinking, because I would think this, that, oh, well, if the population's shrinking and we know that we have, what, 4 million, we're, we're underbuilt by 4 million homes. And so, oh, well, maybe if the population shrinks a little bit, that might actually be a good thing. And at some point now, of course, obviously, when you're talking about the population in a particular year, uh, those births, we're not going to see people buying homes until they're in their uh, 20s, at least. So we're not talking immediate. But you would think that just in the overall thinking that a shrinking population would actually be a good thing for housing with regards to affordability, right? Less people, same level of, of, of inventory. So oh, that's that's actually going to make housing better. I would think that. So if you think that, I think that too. That's not correct. <laughs> Connor Sen lays out this argument that a shrinking population actually makes housing affordability worse. And, and like I said, I was like, what? How is that possible? Well, he said a shrinking population will actually make homes more unaffordable in major metro areas. Why? Well, Sen notes that, quote, People tend not to want to live in shrinking places. And if the U.S. population starts to decline, it might lead to even less housing demand in stagnant metro areas and an even worse housing affordability crisis in the smaller number of places that continue to attract new residents. So, I mean, basically what he's arguing is that when people start leaving small towns, no one's going to want to move there. I mean, that's already a problem, but it's going to be exacerbated by a shrinking population. And not only is that happening, you will also see home building get even more constrained. Sen points out in the piece that, quote, a country without any population growth doesn't need to have growing housing construction industry. And if you can't grow profits via greater sales volume, you try and do it via reduced competition and cost cuts. Sen points out this means consolidation that will lead to consolidation among home builders and the building materials supply chain so what happens is that when you've reached the maximum level of growth there's only one way to make money cutting and or raising prices so if you're not going to grow anymore you're not going to have new revenue so you got to make do with what exists out there and so like i said you can either cut spending or you can increase prices And it's hard to increase prices if your competitor is keeping his prices where they are unless you don't have a competitor because now you've consolidated. And so he's pointing out that when you have a shrinking population, it sounds like, oh, this will be great because inventory levels remain the same, as I said. But what actually ends up happening is small towns get even smaller because people go, I got to get out of here. There's no way there's going to be any jobs here at any point in the future because there's no population growth. So then everyone starts moving to the major metros and you're not seeing really any building because what the the building industry as a whole is shrinking and consolidating and that makes building even more expensive and you have people in bigger areas fighting over the same amount of homes and now you have a big problem. And I never even thought about it that way. 
And Connor Sen was spot on. So, uh, <laughs> and that was, like I said, during that lull period, actually made my brain do some thinking during that lull period. It doesn't happen very often, my brain thinking. No, it doesn't at all, but better yet, during that lull period. So it was a very fascinating piece that I thought took some recent data from the headlines and said, hey, actually, no, this isn't good. This won't be good for our population to shrink. You would think it would, but no. That would not be the that would not be correct. And Connor Sen lays it out um, in full detail. If you want to read it, of course, don't forget to sign up for the companion morning newsletter, which you can sign up for at marketsandmortgages.com. All right, before we go, we gotta talk about this. This is like these are my favorite stories. Favorite stories because I don't care where you are in this country, there is a stupid preservation society in your town, city, wherever it may be, and they are just making stupid, stupid arguments. I saw a tweet a couple days ago, and someone pointed out that if you ever look at polling data, like NIMBYism is extremely unpopular. But the reason it exists is because a lot of people who are wealthy, politically connected, politically active, are the biggest NIMBYs. And so they are overrepresented on boards, in office, and elsewhere. And that gives off this impression that, oh my gosh, you have this big NIMBY movement. But really, it's it's nowhere near as big as you would think that it is. And of course, no better example of NIMBYism than historic societies. I understand the reason for them. Like, I get it. You, know, you want to preserve buildings. And there's no doubt that you want to hang on to, to culture and history and all of those things. I know how important that is. But for the most part, we as a you know society understand the buildings that are of value and we will do what we can to protect them. But there's a lot of buildings that shouldn't be saved. And because it's so easy to save the ones that need to be saved, these preservation societies kind of need to have something to do because when they go to save like, you know, the old post office or something along those lines, it's always like, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. And then it's like, oh, well, that, that was easy. So now they got to go find something to do. And so they go find these buildings that have no business being looked at <laughs> and saved. And I, like I said, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of dumb preservation societies, but this one in Pennsylvania might get the gold medal. This is amazing. The Young Preservationist Association has added the West Mifflin's Shuttered Century 3 Mall to its list of the Pittsburgh's region's 10 most endangered buildings. Now I know what you're thinking. Like just like that mall has got to mean something else. No, no, no. A mall. They're trying <laughs> to save a mall that was built way back in ancient times. 1971 is when the mall was built. <laughs> They're trying to save it. Now, besides its ancient existence, there's another reason why they want to save it. Uh, one of the, idiots in this group uh, in speaking to this uh, NPR station in Pittsburgh said that one of the reasons they want to save it is because, quote, it's a strong example of the stark, brutalist style popular in the mid 20th century. Oh, uh, and by the way, you probably have already guessed. Yes, the current plans for what they're going to do with this space when they tear on the mall down. Um, a developer is planning on um, demoing, of course, the mall and redevelopment would include office, retail, residential and restaurant components. So they're going to turn this space that's probably like a homeless encampment 
at best. <laughs> at worst, I didn't want to know what it is. And they're going to turn it into a place where, you know, people can live and eat and frolic. And people still frolic. I think they frolic. You can do all these great things. And they're gonna like, no, we must save this mall. It's a mall. I mean, like, it looks like every mall that you've ever seen your entire life. Like everything that was built back in the 70s and 80s. It's it's horrific. <laughs> it's brutal. I didn't realize that brutalists is this popular style. So, yeah, they're uh, they're going to try and save that. This is it's it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I mean, they're actually like we got to save this mall. And did you? I don't know if you guys watched uh, Netflix's Stranger Things, but one of the things I loved about was it the third season, whatever the last season was, and they build that new mall in town, and everyone's going to the mall, and they're having this big rally to try and save downtown. And it's funny because in most places the opposites now happened, and now we're all the malls are going out of business and all these downtowns are being revitalized. And that's just the way things are. They're a cycle. You know, there's a cycle. You move through it. And at one point, this will be popular. Then it'll fall out of popularity. Then it'll come back. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it works. But no, we should not be saving malls. <laughs> malls might come back, but they're not going to come back in the way they were in the 1970s. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. This is how, this is how stupid... Uh, is Robert Reich on this thing? He's got to be, right? He's got to be. After his, remember, remember that letter he sent out trying to save. We we can't build multifamily. I, I'm rich. I want to live with other rich people. I don't want regular people living near me. Mister Income Inequality doesn't want regular people living near him. He's got to be involved in this. I know he doesn't live in Pittsburgh, but he's somehow got to be involved. It would just be. It's got to be. He's got to be. All right. We got to go. We're out of time. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. Welcome back. I look forward to you tuning in to more episodes. I will be here and I will let you know when we begin the live component. It, it, it won't be long. Um, I just, I just kind of wanted to get my bearing, you know, get my footing back before we went live because, you know, as, as unpolished as this sounds, just imagine what it's like without the pot because I do polish it. So imagine how, how actually unpolished it is. So this is the this is the polished version. So when we do the live version, it's going to be completely unpolished. So just trying to imagine what that's going to be like. So I want to at least get my footing a little bit before we we dive into that pool. But you guys enjoy your Tuesday. I will see you back here Wednesday morning for another edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.